Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. It's not very unusual for a person who just recently got saved to find themselves in a situation where they feel as though their Christian life is empty. They feel as though they don't really have much of a relationship with their God. They may have been promised something that sounded like that, that they would experience a sense of peace or rest in their life if they were to turn to him for who he is. And so people will sometimes turn to the living God because they just feel a sense of emptiness. But when they do, after they're a Christian for a period of time, sometimes they feel that that emptiness still has not yet been fulfilled, that they were promised something that has not yet been realized. And there are many people who discover this and struggle with this because they really want to believe that they will experience some peace and rest in their hearts. They may sincerely believe that there is a God, and yet it seems as if they still don't have access to him. It seems as if he's not really available to them personally. And they may feel a sense of condemnation as a result of that. Sometimes people come to know the Lord or they get saved because they're having trouble in their life. They may be struggling financially or they may be having a difficult time finding enough work. They may be having difficulty with personal relationships that they have with other people. And so they become a Christian or they turn to their God because they believe that God will intervene in their life in some way. But even though they believe that, even though they might sincerely believe that God will intervene in their life in some way, that doesn't necessarily mean that he will. And when they see that they don't really have much of a relationship with their God, or when they see that their life is not really improving in any measurable way, when they start to see these things happen, if they do see these things happen, it's not unusual for them to then try to find a way to resolve this matter because they believe that this is a serious problem. And one of the reasons why people believe this is because they will talk with mature believers, they will encounter mature believers, or they will hear the sermons, the messages that are communicated by mature believers, people who have been in the faith longer than they have. And these people are probably telling them things like, if you are a Christian, then God is going to intervene in your life. If you are a Christian, then you are not going to feel empty in your life. You're not going to feel alone anymore. And through suggesting this, the new believers will then hear these messages and feel a sense of failure. They will feel a sense of condemnation. And so what do they normally do? Well, they go to those who are more mature, those who are more experienced, and they ask them for some suggestions. They ask them, what should I do in order to feel as though God is truly in my life? What do I do so that he will intervene in the circumstances that I'm having? And there are, of course, many responses that people give. One of the common responses that people give is found in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, for example, where it says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so if you want 
to experience his intervention. If you want to know that he is going to cause all things to work together for you, then you need to love God more. This becomes the solution that people present to folks who question things like this. They say, well, then you need to love God more, because if you love him more, then God will intervene. He will cause things to work together for good for you, because you are loving him in an appropriate way. This is what people often hear, and when they hear this, they then set out on a quest or on an adventure, depending upon how you look at it, they commit themselves to the purpose of finding a way to love God more. Now, how are they going to love God more? What is that going to look like? Well, don't worry. All you need to do is just ask a few people what you can do to demonstrate or stir up within you, perhaps, a desire to love God more or to show him that you truly love him in a way that will get him to respond on your behalf. And there are a lot of people out there who will provide you with a whole list of things that you can do. For example, one of the most common things that people suggest is that you go to his holy place. If you go to his holy place where he is, then you will demonstrate to him that you truly love him. This is normally presented in the context of going to church. That if you will go to church, which of course is his holy place, according to some people, If you will go to church and be there, perhaps whenever the doors are open, then you will demonstrate to him that you love him. Because there are many people who believe that their churches, that is their building, is a holy place of God. Many people refer to these buildings as the house of God. And some people even call upon him to come into his house, to come and be there in their presence. And if you're at home sleeping in or watching television or hanging around in the kitchen, if you're not there when God is called there, if you are not there when his presence enters into this holy place, then he's going to notice that you're not there. This is what some people believe. I certainly don't believe this. But some people believe that God will notice that you are not there and he will start to think that maybe you don't love him very much. And so make sure that you're always there In his holy place. This is one of the solutions that people provide as a means of demonstrating that you love God more. But there are some serious problems with this that a person will eventually discover if they read the scriptures, if they pursue a knowledge and understanding of the truth that has really been revealed. They will discover things like, You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that He does not dwell in temples made with hands. Instead, He dwells within His people not within buildings that we construct and put signs in front of them suggesting that these are holy places of God. People may discover things in the scriptures, such as when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, and the woman at the well asked him where they should worship, there in Mount Gerizim or in Jerusalem. And he told her very clearly, he said, The day is coming, and yet now is, when the true worshipers of God will not worship here or there, but the true worshipers of God will worship him in the core of their spirit on the basis of the truth. Another suggestion that people present or a solution that people offer is that you need to serve his people. For example, in John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17, that's John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17, Jesus spoke to Peter about feeding his sheep, where he asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, of course I love you. So Jesus said, well, then feed my sheep. 
And so people will take this and they will say, look, if you want to demonstrate to God that you love him, that you love him more perhaps than other people do, then you need to find ways of participating in the lives of those who believe in him. That you need to start serving people who believe in him. Feed his sheep, either with the word or with acts of service or with actual food. In some way, serve his people. And if you do that, then God will see that you love him more, especially more than those others who are not serving him in this way. He will see you, and so he will respond. He will fill the emptiness in your heart, or he will intervene in your life and make your life much better. But this doesn't always happen. I know lots of people who have served him out of a sincere desire to show that they love him more. But no matter how hard they try, no matter how many years they put into this effort, they still, many people who I know, still live with the hope that one day he will change their heart. One day he will fulfill their heart and make them feel as though they truly are at rest, at peace with him. Or that he will intervene in their lives in some way and bless them in some way that they can measure. I know many people like this who have done this for years and they are still living with the hope and expectation that this will be realized. But after a while, people start to think that maybe they don't love God like they should. Every once in a while, they don't really feel like serving his people. Sometimes they may feel as though his people are not very appreciative of the things that they do for them to demonstrate, of course, that they love God. They start to feel as though they don't really want to do this anymore. And then comes a huge amount of condemnation. Then they start to feel really guilty because, sure enough, they may not really love God because they don't like what they're doing anymore. They may be getting tired of it, or they may strive even harder, hoping even more that maybe they'll learn to like it. But when they do that, again, it's just a matter of time. Eventually, a person will start to feel as though God loves them less, as though God is going to look at their hearts and see that their heart really isn't in it like it needs to be. And they are going to feel further away from the love of God when they do this. And so what do people sometimes do? Well, I can tell you in my experience what people will often do. What they do is they normally redirect their attention away from serving others to demonstrate that they love God. They normally turn away from that to a certain extent, or they cut back on that a little bit. And instead, they start to turn to themselves, themselves personally, internally, because they realize that there must be something wrong deep inside, because, again, their desires are not really about wanting to serve other people, but instead their desires are still trying to find some way to resolve the problems in their life that don't seem to be getting resolved. And so they will turn to themselves. This is a form of commitment that many people engage in in order to try harder to have change in their life, to fulfill the emptiness in their being, or to get God to respond and respond quickly to work out some of these problems that they have in their life. So people will turn to themselves, and this is normally motivated by other passages in the scriptures, such as John chapter 14. John chapter 14, between verses 13 and 15, it says, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, 
I will do it. They read this and they think, well, maybe I need to do this because I don't seem to be getting much of a response by serving other people or being in his holy place. And so maybe I need to do this. Maybe I just need to ask and he will do it for me. But when you continue to read into verse 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And this, again, becomes a means of motivation to love God more. And now you have a new way, a new strategy, a new approach to demonstrate that you love God or to actually love him more. And that is now to have a focus on yourself. And that focus becomes a focus of keeping his commandments, that you need to repent from your sins more, that you need to obey his commandments more, that maybe you just need to go into the law and you need to find more things to do, more things not to do, that you need to really dedicate and commit yourself to being holy. And when you are, then God will respond. Then God will fulfill the emptiness in your heart. Then God will start to work things together for good because you love him. But what happens when a person pursues that? What happens is that they fail. That's what happens. Because we cannot live in obedience to God's commandments. Sometimes it takes people a little while to figure that out. Sometimes it takes people most of their life to figure that out. But eventually, if a person will truly believe this, if they will really believe that this is what they are to do, and they will really commit themselves and really dedicate themselves to keeping his commandments, if they will do that, then eventually they will come to the end of themselves and admit failure. They will admit that they are not obedient to all of his commandments. Eventually, that day will come. And when that day comes, then they will have the opportunity to say that they don't love God that they truly do not know him, because according to the word of God, according to the word of the Lord Jesus, you do not love God because you have failed to keep his commandments. When a person reaches this point of recognizing that they do not love God and that they have failed to do so, then what are they going to do? What are you really going to do? Because everyone around you seems to be communicating to you, telling you, that you just need to love God more and everything will work out, but you can't do it. And the more you try, the harder you try, if you will do so, you will discover that you can't do it, that you do not love your God. Then what are you going to do? Well, through all of your attempts, through all of the things that you have tried to accomplish, all of these things pushed you further away from the love of God. When you tried to serve his people and you really didn't want to, when you tried to obey his commandments and you really didn't want to, you discover that more and more you are being pushed away from the love of God, or at least that's what you believe, which would be a legitimate conclusion. If you do not love God, then why would he love you? But that is the discrepancy. This is the problem. This is why people are empty. This is why they are not experiencing a life of peace in their heart, even in the midst of the circumstances of their life, even in the midst of the struggles of life. This is the reason why. And it turns out that people are trying to solve these problems with solutions that increase their separation from their God, that increase his disgust with them because of their failures. 
But that's the problem. You know, when you first get saved, you're normally told that God loves you perfectly. And then after you live this Christian life that people present to you, it doesn't take very long before you start to realize that he doesn't, that maybe he doesn't, that maybe he actually holds your sins against you. Maybe not before you got saved, but definitely now since you have gotten saved. These are the kinds of things that people believe, and it keeps them from being loved by their God. But why would this be so important? Because it is not a matter of you loving him more. The real issue is that he loved us, not that we loved him. Again, the important issue here is not how much you love your God, but the real issue is that he loves us. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, it says, By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, which means that he took away our sins and he no longer holds our sins against us. But what people end up doing when they start out in their Christian life, in many cases what they do is they follow a path or they live a life that eventually reminds them in some way or shows them in some way that perhaps God still holds their sins against them and they get pushed further and further away from the love of God. But that's not the issue. The issue is that he loved us first and we must come back to the truth and be reminded of the truth and acknowledge the truth that he does not hold our sins against us. And when we do, when we acknowledge that, then we understand that it is no longer a matter of keeping his commandments. It is no longer a matter of doing things to serve him or to serve his people. It is no longer a matter of that at all. I'm not saying that to suggest that we go out and sin or that we don't help each other out. I'm not suggesting that at all. What I'm suggesting is that there is something else that people need to consider, and that is that it's not a matter of us showing God that we love him. It is not a matter of trying to love him more. That's not the real issue. The real issue is that we need to be loved by our God more. That's the real issue, is that we need him. We need him to love us. And when we try to love him, then we will be reminded in various ways, or we will be shown in various ways, that he doesn't love us because of our failure. So you need to stop this. You need to put this aside, this idea of trying to love God more. You need to let it go and understand that he loves you. That's the real issue. You need to rest in the truth that he does not hold your sins against you. But you won't do that if you're still trying to show him that you love him because you're going to fail. And by default, when you fail, you're going to have sin. He's going to hold it against you and then he's not going to love you anymore. You must get out of this trap. You must put this whole thing aside. And recognize that he has demonstrated to you that he loves you. And he is never going to love you any less under any circumstances. And he has demonstrated that by dying for your sins. If you will believe that, if you will rest in that truth, then you can enter in to an entirely different way of life. Then you can walk in a completely different way. This way has to do with what he has already done for us and is not focused on what we hope that he will do for us in the future. Now, when I say that, I don't want to depreciate the reality that he does intervene in our lives. He can intervene in our lives. 
But the means by which people believe he is going to do so is totally backwards. You need to first rest in the love that he has for you. Your greatest need is not to love God more. Your greatest need is to be loved by your God more. And these solutions that people are giving are pushing you away from his love for you. You must understand that. You must see that. Now, when you rest in the love that he has for you, then you can be at peace. Then you can be at rest. Because the deepest needs that you have in your heart truly are to be loved by your God. The reason why you feel empty is because you probably are empty. It's probably because you do need to be loved, but you are not resting in his love for you. It is because you do have a need for acceptance, but you are not resting in the acceptance that he has for you. That is why we feel empty. We are empty only because we are not filled with the love of God. And there are many things that people believe, many things that people teach that push people further away from the love of God. And when you get set free from those things, when you put those things aside and reject those lies, only then can you begin to feel the fullness of the God who is within you. He who is within you because you recognized and you received his forgiveness and you received the free gift of his Holy Spirit. His presence dwelling within you. The God within you will meet the deepest needs of your heart. And when that happens, you're going to discover that the desires of your heart will begin to change. They will change because when you know the love of God, when you know the acceptance of God, you will turn away from the things of the world. You will turn away from those things that you thought were going to fulfill you. Those things that you once desired will no longer be desirable because you know full well that those things would have never met the deepest needs of your heart and that will be further confirmed by the reality that you experience with your God when you rest and believe and trust in who He is. And you allow Him to confirm to you in the core of your spirit these truths, the reality that He truly loves you. You will discover that these other desires will begin to dissipate. And so when you delight yourself in the Lord, as Psalm 37, verse 4 says, Psalm 37, verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He's not talking about giving you all of those things that you thought that you had a need for. He's not talking about giving you all of those things or intervening in your life in the way that you expected him to do when you first got saved. No, he's going to turn your attention to the desires that you have for him. The desires of your heart are desires that he created you to have. The desire to be loved and accepted, to have understanding in the world that you are a part of, and to have purpose in your life. He created you to have these desires, and he will fulfill these desires in your heart Because he created you in such a way that only he can do it. No one else can. No one else will. When you experience this peace, when you experience this rest that he has called you to, that he has created you to experience, then you will discover that the circumstances of life are not as important as you once thought they were. You will discover that, yes, sure enough, this world is not heaven. This world is not your permanent destination, that you are not going to live here forever. You are going to enter into the presence of God in his kingdom. 
And when you start to differentiate between the life that is here and the life that is to come, then you can live this life in a completely different way with a different understanding and with a sense of peace that can only be experienced by the divine revelation of your God who loves you, who lives within you, and who will lead you and guide you into all truth. When you embrace this, then you can understand passages in the scriptures such as John chapter 14 in a different way. John chapter 14, verses 13 and 15, as I quoted before, that if you love him, you will keep his commandments. You will then understand what Jesus said in a different context. You will understand that, sure enough, you don't love him. And that's okay, because you were created to be loved by him. And when you are loved by him, then you will love him, not through the energy of your flesh, not through the determination of your commitment, but instead... You will love him because you will be at peace and you will know him and you will have no alternative but to be in love with him because of who he truly is, not because of who you want to be yourself. Romans chapter 8 verse 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together. Sure, but what are these things? What is the good that we experience? You will know, you will discover in time, you will see that he can use anything, he can use all things to work together to show you who he is. And there is no greater good than a discovery, than a revelation of who your God is and of the love that he has for you. So it's not so much a matter of God causing all things to work together for good for those who love God in the sense that if you love God, then he will cause things to work together. No, Those who love him, it doesn't matter how much you love him. It doesn't matter if you love him more or less. What matters is that you are one. You are one of his children. And regardless of how much you do love him, he will cause all things to work together so that you can see who he is and the love that he has for you. And through that, you will love God more. Why? Because of the love that he has for you. This is what I believe these passages in the scriptures truly mean. And in this context, I would like to encourage you to continue to grow in your knowledge and understanding of the love that your God has for you and to put aside this pursuit of trying to love him more. Because when you rest in his love for you, you will love him more, but as a manifestation of him working within and through you. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net